Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast for SturdyMcKee.com. Hey, I'm Sturdy McKee, and welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast. Today, I've got uh, Dr. Anjan Blackboard. He is the Dean of Olin Business School at Washington University in St. Louis. He's also the co-author of The Economics of Higher Purpose. There are eight counterintuitive steps for creating a purpose-driven organization. And he also co-wrote one of the most read articles ever published in the Harvard Business Review. Um, he's a teacher, author, researcher, and expert on purpose-driven organizations and how they outperform their competition. Thank you very much for being here, Dr. Tucker. My pleasure. So let's start out. Uh, one of the things I'm passionate about is I know that there are a huge number of American employees that are disengaged at work. And a shocking number, something like 29, 30% are actively disengaged. How do incentives, oversight, and the control, command and control type organizations, how does that make this worse? Yeah, so traditionally in business schools, we've taught that if you don't get the performance that you desire from the organization, you need to sharpen incentives, tighten controls, and do all of the standard, what I would call textbook things mm-hmm. that we've been teaching many generations of MBA students. Unfortunately, these mechanisms in this particular case actually make the problem worse because they reinforce some of the worst assumptions that employees make about the companies that they work for. And one of the assumptions that surveys have found is that the vast majority of people who work for U.S. corporations basically believe that the company that they work for doesn't care for them. And so when you tighten controls and you monitor more uh, intrusively and and you sharpen incentives, it just reinforces this belief that the company doesn't care for me, doesn't trust me, mm-hmm. and they, they want to monitor me even more. And so the disengagement actually increases instead of going down. Right. So how does purpose play into this? And even further, how does... What does purpose have to do with the bottom line? Um, Well, purpose has a lot to do with the bottom line. In the short run, many organizations that decide that they want to discover and then embrace their purpose find that they actually have to make short-run financial sacrifices. So it's not always costless, which is why It's not always easy for companies to do this authentically. But in the long run, what research has found is that purpose pays in the sense that it increases employee engagement, commitment, morale, productivity, innovation. They come up with more new ideas. They take ownership. They act more like entrepreneurs within the organization. So in the long run, it pays off. But oftentimes, in the short run, it feels more risky, you know. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the lead company in our Harvard Business Review article on purpose is a company called DT Energy. And so when we interviewed the CEO, Jerry Anderson, he talked about this huge challenge that he faced in 2008, financial crisis, when you know, a lot of companies were financially very stressed, as was his company. Mm-hmm. And so he said he got his executives together and he said, 
uh, you've got 10 days to come up with a new plan because the <laughs> current plan is basically, a, you know, crap. It doesn't work anymore. Right. And this is an right. exist existential problem, right? So come up with a new plan and do it in 10 days. He said, they came back two days later and said, here's the plan. We've got to shut down this many plants, lay off this many people, because too much money has walked out the door. And he said he went back and reflected on this and realized this was the biggest decision he faced. He actually decided to do the exact opposite. Because he said, I'm not going to abandon my people in their time of greatest need. And he did this by defining the purpose of the organization and rallying his employees around the purpose. And he said, I'm not going to lay anybody off, but I need you to rally around this purpose. Okay. And this was very risky because it goes against what the standard uh, MBA playbook tells you to do as an organization leader. And sure. if this doesn't work, it's Jerry's job on the line. The board is going to say, hey, sure. you didn't do the obvious thing that any CEO would do. And so you are basically acting as a positive deviant, right? Because okay, this yes. action is a deviant action. It's not the norm. Absolutely. Right? But you're a positive deviant. And so it's very risky. It feels very risky. And, and you just, as, as Jerry said, he just held his breath because no guarantees this is going to work, right? So right. it does affect the bottom line. Now, in the long run, it turned out the, the company did extremely well. Uh, the employees came up with thousands of ideas for saving money, generating new resources. Their financial performance improved. Gallup satisfaction, they went from bottom to top three. Union relations improved. Stock price zoomed. So all of these long-term payoffs happened. But I can tell you this. None of them were guaranteed ex ante before the fact. Well, they're not guaranteed. And, and we're in an environment where quarterly reports and stock prices and all that presses on the CEO, the short-term gains, right? right? But your research and some of the other research, uh, we've got a body of research now about how this is not nearly as risky in the long run. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the payoffs are there. Right. It's just that commitment. So can you speak a little bit to the importance of it, like the integrity and fidelity to the declared purpose of an organization on the part of the leadership um, from middle management all the way to the board of directors? Yeah, that's a great question because when uh, Bob Quinn and I embarked on this research, we had certain priors about what we would find. Mm -hmm. And many of those priors were actually wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's good research. <laughs> and one of the things that really surprised me when we did our research is how elusive authenticity of purpose was in practice. Yeah. And I would have thought, okay, I believe in the purpose. Of course, I'm going to be authentic about it. But in many instances, what we found is that people tended to view higher purpose as sort of a public relations messaging problem, as opposed to something very tangible and something that had to be taken too hard and, and authenticity was really important, but at the same time elusive. And by authenticity, I mean two things. One is the usual meaning, which is fidelity to the truth. Mm -hmm. That you really believe in the purpose. This is not another tool for manipulating your employees or a PR gimmick or a poster on the wall. 
Right. But the other dimension is passion from the leadership. So as a leader, if I believe in the purpose for the organization, I have to feel passionately committed to that purpose. And that has to come through when I speak to my employees about it. Yeah. Both dimensions are important, your passion and fidelity to the truth. Because if you don't do that, the organization gets very cynical. It, well, exactly. Employees see whether you're walking the talk because it gets reflected in your day-to-day -day decisions. So you can put up a poster on the wall and say, this is my purpose. But then they see the decisions that you make right. and they don't actually reflect the purpose. Then they become even more cynical. And so when Jerry Anderson says, this is our purpose, where he walks the talk is he doesn't lay anybody off. He doesn't shut down any plants. He tells his people, I believe in you. I believe in the purpose. And he's authentic about it. So authenticity is incredibly important. In fact, I would say that the two most important initial steps in any purpose uh, exercise are, one, you as a leader have to believe, have to be able to envision a purpose-driven organization, that your employees can be motivated by that purpose. If I don't believe it, I'm not going to do it. And then the other is I have to passionately and truly believe in the purpose. I have to. Well, so, you know, thinking about the employees and their belief in the purpose, thereby and assuming leadership is, you know, authentic and aligned. Um, you know, work-life balance is a phrase that we hear so often. And to me, that presupposes an opposition of forces. Mm -hmm. um, what's your take on that? So that, that, that's a really interesting question. You know, I, I often used to wonder on Fridays when I was driving my car, and you see these radio shows and they talk about, oh, gee, it's Friday. You know, I'm so happy it's Friday. Right, right, right. Right. And I always used to think, what a way to live. Where you're living exactly. for the weekend. So the weekend is only two days. The week is five days. And how can you go through life where the five days are a huge tax on you, and the reward is two days. I don't like to live like that. And I think if you're purpose-driven, every day is a reward, including the five days you spend at work. Monday is not a bad day. Friday is not a great day. They're all days that are gifts to you, okay? And, and they're all days on which you're basically living your purpose. And if you're living your purpose, you're li living the dream. I, I really mean that. So I tell everyone that, and by the way, this is, uh, let me just back up. So my colleague here, Stuart Bunderson, and I did some research during the pandemic on which we surveyed 1,100 U.S. households uh, and, you know, chosen to roughly reflect the demographics of the nation. And what we found that was interesting is that if you work for an organization that has a written statement of higher purpose, you as an individual are more likely to have a personal statement of higher purpose that you choose to write down. Which, you know, makes sense when you think about it. Sure, right? sure. Through sure. the exercise at work, then you say, hey, what am I doing with my life? What is my purpose? Now, this is so important because when you give people in the organization a deeper meaning to their work, when I feel like the job that I'm doing is not just a job that pays me a salary, but it actually serves some greater good that's connected with the purpose, I personally get more energized, okay? And I give the organization more of 
what Jerry Anderson calls my discretionary time and energy, right? Because I believe in the purpose. It's no longer a job. I'm living my purpose. And we are at our best when we feel like we're living our purpose. This is true for everybody. Right, right. And it's not just that if the company does this that I then realize I must, it's also going to attract people who already have. Absolutely. And have it aligned. You know, they're looking for that. And, um, you know, here's a question I ask when I'm on stage talking to audiences, whatever, but do people work for money? And, you know, everybody's question, everybody's answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But you just kind of started into that about purpose yeah. and cause. Yeah, so on that issue, uh, the answer is, again, yes, but, right? Yeah, so exactly. People, people care about money. But what research has found is that there are three ways that you can compensate and reward people. One is in the pocket, and that's the money that you pay them. The other is in terms of growth opportunities, right? What opportunities do I have within the organization to get promoted, to develop my leadership skills, to grow as an individual contributor? Is what we call transcendence. That is my connection to the purpose. Yes. And what you find is that you can actually trade them off. People will work for less money if they have transcendence and growth opportunities. But you get the best results when you attend to all three. Of course, but I, I do like the challenge question, right? Because when you're talking to business owners, entrepreneurs, and say to people work for money, they're absolutely they do. They no, they don't, and they they freak out, right? right. And who who here volunteers? Right, right. And they all, you know, two thirds of the audience will raise their hand because they little league or church groups or you name yeah, it, absolutely. they're out there doing it because of this very thing. So imagine you're listening to this. Imagine taking Dr. Tucker's advice here. And marrying the two, the right. purpose and a paycheck, what right. kind of engagement are you going to get from your team? Absolutely. Well, you know, there's a very interesting piece of research uh, that's been done, which finds that it was done on zookeepers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, it turns out that zookeepers are among the lowest paid people in this country. Okay. Oh. They are, many of them are, are you know, pretty well educated, you know, high sure. school, college degrees. And they could get higher paying jobs. And but when you go and interview them and ask them, well, uh, you know, how committed are you to the organization? Would you be seeking a higher paying job? Most of them basically say, no, I would never leave this job. And the reason is that the reason why they're so committed is that they're living their purpose. Their purpose mm-hmm. is very simple. They're there for the kids and the animals. And they get to spend time with both every single day, okay? And to me, that's a great example. So my colleague, Stuart Bunderson, uh, who I mentioned earlier in connection with the joint research we did, so he his, a lot of his research has been about zookeepers. And I just find this an incredibly interesting finding because it illustrates a whole industry, right? right. Where people are purpose-driven, they're living their purpose, they're actually choosing to give up some money because purpose is so important. Meaning in work is very important to people. We're all wired to seek a deeper meaning in our own lives. We're all wired as human beings. And so when you allow people the opportunity to make that connection, it's it's a gift and people appreciate it. Mm-hmm. 
See, in, let's talk about within an organization, you've written about positive energizers. Yes. So will you please share who these people are and how they can be encouraged in an organization to help fulfill the purpose? Yes, every organization has people who are just always bubbling with positive energy. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. It's like every time you meet them, you go away feeling a little happier. Okay? <laughs> right. And, and people respond to these people. They do things that these people will ask them to do. So I'll give you an example. I have a, a you know, former colleague of mine and co-author on many, many things that I've, Kim Cameron. Uh, as a professor of organization behavior. Kim is a positive energizer. And so I remember, I'll give you, share with you a small story. We were at some retreat and we're in the restaurant for breakfast. Mm -hmm. We sit down and the server comes there. And I'm, you know, like any normal customer. Yeah, hello, good morning. I give her a smile. Kim, on the other hand, turns to her and he's very authentic. I mean, he loves people. And he says, how? Morning. You, know, you know, how's your day going? You know, when did you start? And within two minutes, he had struck up this conversation with this young lady, where she felt really special that this person cares about how my day is going, right? We got the best service <laughs> of anybody at the restaurant. Sure. And Kim is like this with everybody. You know, I mean, it wasn't that he was, you know, just in a good mood that morning. I and mean, Kim is like this all the time. He's a positive energizer, okay? So uh, every organization has these people, okay? And they create positive energy. They attract people to them. So when you have a change initiative, like you embrace the purpose and you want to implement it, uh, if you can locate those people and make them your champions, okay, the job of getting this embedded within the organization becomes a lot easier. Because these people will become your apostles. You know, they'll be going out there, spreading the word, talking about the purpose, what it means to people, and 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 they draw people to them, right? And it doesn't have anything to do with their rank and the hierarchy. You know, how right. senior they are. They're everywhere. They're at all levels within the organization, and you've got to find a way to tap into that resource that every organization has. Well, I mean, one of the ways to tap into that is going back to that authenticity. The yeah. leaders are truly committed. Those people are going to feel a lot safer, more secure, and invested. They're going to be your champions. Absolutely. Right? Cool. Um, so a lot of the companies you studied, a lot of the companies that you work with and, and look at, written about, are really huge corporations. Um, so how does this apply to a smaller or medium-sized I think this applies to all organizations. I mean, we've, um, you know, worked with uh, companies, small companies. I, when I uh, was asked to be dean this year, uh, one of the first things I did is uh, I said, you know, we should have a purpose. So yeah. we began what I call a purpose discovery exercise within the business school. And now we have a statement of purpose. But that's a key thing. I want to dig down on that before you go on. Discovery. Yes. Because the purpose already existed, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't invent a purpose, you discover it. It's already Perfect. embedded within the DNA of the organization. So when I came into this job, I didn't say, well, I'm going to hire a consultant or I'm going to think about really hard about what a purpose should be. No, it's not my purpose. It's the organization's purpose. So we went through 
in the fall, a pretty extensive purpose discovery exercise. Now, you know, we are, I don't think we're a large organization. We are, you know, 200 faculty, 200 staff. Now, we have thousands of students, but this sure. was the discovery exercise was faculty and staff. So it was 400 people, right? Mm-hmm. That we were surveying and, and talking to, to discover the purpose. But we went through that exercise and it took a few months. But what we came up with is now owned by the organization. It's not mm-hmm. one individual statement of purpose. Right. So what what, what is it? What did y'all come up with? So our, I, I will read it to you because I like it so much. I don't like to, uh, <laughs> I, I always like to make sure that I'm getting all the words right because we work really hard on it. And I always keep it close to me. So our purpose is pretty simple. Discovering knowledge, enriching people, and advancing business to change the world, comma, for good. Now, enriching, we're a business school, so enriching has two meanings. Sure, sure. And for good also has two meanings, and that's why there's a comma before for, right? For the better and for good, meaning there's a sense of permanence mm-hmm. in positive change. So that's that's our purpose. And uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I said, if you go to a business school or an educational institution, we all have roughly the same mission. You know, we're here to produce path-breaking research, which is discovery, and the dissemination, which is teaching. Right. But I said where we can distinguish ourselves from each other is through the purpose. And the purpose is always the why behind the mission, the vision, the strategy. Right. So, so how does that come to life? How do you use that and operationalize that in the organization? Yeah. So what we're doing is so uh, step number one is communication, right? Yeah. And so you know, once we had the purpose, we rewrote the mission statement and the vision statement, and it's going. We have four buildings here on campus. It's going to be on the signage everywhere. Okay. And we have six value banners, and then we have this banner which will go up everywhere. So that's communication. The other thing we're doing is something called the Olin Shoutout Program, which is an employee appreciation and recognition program. Perfect. And the idea is that if I see you living the purpose, I give you a shout-out. It's all it's you know, it's all electronic. Okay. So I can go in there Mm -hmm. and enter. And I, I cite the specific example that I saw. I always encourage people, don't just give somebody a shout out, tell them why you're giving them a shout out. Mm-hmm. You have to understand what it is that you're being appreciated for. And, you know, at the end of it, so this is for faculty and staff. And do you see somebody living the purpose? If you see somebody living the purpose, appreciate it, acknowledge it, celebrate it. And then there'll be, you know, at the end, you know, every quarter and every year, there'll be some rewards and bonuses and, you know, compensation. The money is not important. It's the recognition. And the fact that we celebrate people living the purpose. So that's one small way in which we have sort of tried to embed this in our normal HR processes and, and things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, we just launched that uh, last month oh. uh, when we explained. Yeah, actually, it went active March 1. Oh, so, okay. you know, it's it's been an ongoing process. Uh you know, but that's so it's not the last thing we'll do. But it's uh, it's one of the things we've put in place. No, no, I, I love it. I've got some other ideas for you, maybe. But the, I, you deserve a shout out, by the way, for the dissemination. 
for being yeah. here today and sharing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Thank you. So I think, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So a, a real life example of living the purpose. Right. Um, cool. So other than like what we just did, how can, you know, I'm a small business owner or I'm the CEO of a, you know, medium enterprise, what have you. How can I better communicate the purpose externally? Yeah. So you have to, first of all, you have to communicate the purpose internally too. Absolutely. People often yeah. overlook that, that the constancy of the message. And you have to keep telling people over and over again. You have to keep reminding them. I think that's important. But I think the external communication is important too. It should be on your website, right? I mean, you can just randomly pick company websites. You'll see a mission statement and a value statement on every website. You won't see a purpose statement on every website. Not very many, right? Right. And so, you know, step one in the external communication is just to get the message out. I think step two is to basically use the message in your communication with your external stakeholders, whether it's your financiers or it's your uh, customers or it's uh, your vendors. This is our purpose, okay? Join us, you know, be part of that purpose. Uh, there are a lot of examples of companies where customers are drawn to the company because of its purpose, right? Yes, absolutely. Great example is this company, Four Ocean, the number four, Ocean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And basically, they're engaged. Their higher purpose is to rid the world's oceans of all its plastic garbage, right? right. And so the whole company design is they, they pay people to garbage out of the ocean, plastic garbage. They pay them by the pound, like, you know, companies that make fish products would pay for fish by the pound. And then they use the plastic to make products, you know, uh, necklaces and, and uh, stuff like that that they sell. Their customers are willing to pay whatever price is being charged because they believe in the purpose, right? They are like-minded that this is a serious problem. We want to help. It's a for-profit company. It's not a charity. It's not an NGO. Right. You know, it's a for-profit company, but one that because of its purpose draws its employees. And I could get, you know, we could go on forever with examples of how if you have an authentic purpose that is communicated effectively externally, it will affect your relationships with your customers, even with your financiers, and even your competitors, and certainly your employees and future employees. Right. Well, I mean, your financiers, your employees are also kind of customers, mm -hmm. right? If you're doing it right and serving them. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So are there any other thoughts you'd like to leave us with before we wind down? Well, I think the last thing that I would mention to you is that one of the things that I, I was recently surprised by was how much young people, and I'm talking about, because I gave a talk to the incoming freshmen uh, here at Olin last August, and I talked a little bit about purpose. And I was just uh, really struck by the level of interest in the audience in that topic, and that topic alone. I talked about a lot of things. They only wanted to talk about one thing, purpose. <laughs> And I remember talking to my son about it, and he wasn't as surprised as I was. Right. And he said, no, this generation, this is my generation and this generation, he says they all understand that one of the greatest privileges in life is to have a job that is deep meaning for you. And that is purpose, okay? So as companies look to employ uh, people in the future, I think one thing to remember is that this generation 
of of young people going to college today mm -hmm. will be the force tomorrow. They care deeply about having a job that is meaningful for them and working for an organization that has purpose. And I think the companies that recognize that will be able to attract the best talent. No, that's awesome. Yeah, my, my daughter's the Fowler School of Business at San Diego State. And this is not surprising at all. You know, right. that we've seen the generational shift and the interest in the topics and stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, really, really do appreciate it. And again, you totally deserve a shout out on the purpose is the dissemination and your sharing, your willingness to be here. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Sturdy. Thank you for listening.